Welcome, this is Jessica Ortner and our time together is dedicated to feeling good within all of life's complexities. We'll be going on a wandering path, exploring topics like spirituality, productivity, and personal fulfillment. Because happiness is not a destination, it's an adventure. So welcome to Adventures in Happiness. We have a great show in store, but let's start off by, I just need to praise my sponsor because I reached out to them myself because I am obsessed with the Juve light. It's spelled J-O-O-V-V. This is an infrared light that you stand in front of and oh my goodness, it, it helps your mood, it helps your skin. There's so much science coming out. It has been clinically proven to improve skin clarity, tone, and texture. It increases testosterone in men. It reduces joint inflammation. So this is amazing for those of you who have joint pain and fibromyalgia. And it fades scars and stretch marks. And that's the biggest difference I see. I have, or I had a scar, a big mark on my wrist from taking something out of the oven. I've had this for like so long, for years. I was living in California when I got this burn and it just would never go away. And finally it's faded. Uh, I love this light. I use it for 15 minutes every day. I just stand in front of it and I notice how it impacts my mood and I just love how it feels. It's great on my skin. So check it out. Learn more about it. Again, like I said, there's so much research coming out and this whole concept of learning about how light impacts us is really fascinating and worth exploring. So you can find out more by going to juve.shop. So it's J-O-O-V-V dot shop forward slash the tapping solution. And again, that's Juve Light, double O and double V. And if you use the discount code TAPPING, capital T-A-P-P-I-N-G, you're gonna receive $25 off of your purchase. So go check it out, Juve Light, and enjoy the show. Hello everyone, this is Jessica Ortner, and we are recording a special podcast for Adventures in Happiness, which you can subscribe to on iTunes. Let me start off by saying that um, Debbie Ford has been such a great teacher in my life. Like millions of other people, I discovered her through Oprah, who else, and began to read her books, and they really touched me deeply. Although she passed away in 2013, her legacy lives on. And today we have a really incredible story about a lost manuscript, amazing teachings from Debbie Ford. And to introduce us to this book, to this incredible work, we have the honor and pleasure to be speaking to her sister, Ariel Ford, who also is an incredible teacher and author herself. Ariel, thank you for being with us. Oh, thanks, Jessica. I'm so happy to see you. It's been way too long. I know. It's been way too long. I'm so happy you're here. I stayed up late reading the book, and the way this book came about is so moving and incredible. And I'd love to start there, just telling us the story of how you found this manuscript. Yeah, it's a really wild and crazy story. So what happened is uh, I got a call one day from James von Prague, who is the world's best known medium. He talks to dead people and he's a longtime family friend of mine and my sister's. And he called to tell me that he had just recently moved to San Diego where we live. And he wanted to invite me and my husband Brian and my mom to come see his new house. 
And when we came to visit, he would give us a reading with Debbie, which was a really big deal because you actually can't even buy a reading with James anymore. He's just, you know, so busy talking to big groups. So we went up, we saw his house, which, as you can imagine, is spectacular. And then we sat down for the reading in his office. And the very, very first thing that happened was Debbie came through and she said, Ariel, you have to write a prayer book with me. And I said, no way. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to write my own books, let alone try to figure out how to write your books. I can't do it. And she kept saying, no, 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 you really have to do it. It's like, forget about it. It's just not going to happen. And so then all these other dead relatives came through to talk to us. And then every few minutes, Debbie would pop back in. And at one time, um, James said, she keeps talking to me about Minnie. Who is Minnie? And I was like, oh, nobody knows this, James. But Bo, Debbie's son, has a half-sister named Minnie. And that's not even her real name. That's just the family nickname. And he said, okay, now this all makes sense. Debbie wants you to tell Bo that when he was with Minnie, she was there too. Now, what's unusual about that is that Bo was living in San Diego and Minnie lives in London, but she happened to have been here the week before for a visit. So now I'm thinking, okay, he's just showing off, right? (laughs) He's just so good. And then Debbie pops back in, Ariel, you have to write a prayer book with me. Well, this goes on for 90 minutes, and no matter how many times I say no, she's relentless and persistent. Finally, I just said to James, you know, she's not going to leave us alone till we say yes. And I say we because you're going to have to help me. I don't hear her. You hear her. So he said, okay, we'll figure it out. So we're driving home, and my husband says, you know, I took your sister to so many of her doctor's appointments and her chemo treatments, and we spent tons of time together. And he said, I remember she told me she wrote some prayers. Why don't you email her office, and maybe they have them, and that would be the start of the book. And I thought, okay, great, why not? So I get home, I email her office, and it's just a one-line thing. It says, do you by any chance have copies of any prayers that Debbie wrote? And I get an email right back that says, Oh, I can do better than that. She wrote an entire manuscript. It's crazy. Crazy. Now, it's even crazier than that because I was always her literary agent. So the fact that she wrote a book that I didn't know about was totally mind-blowing. Anyway, I open up the manuscript and I read it in one sitting. It's 200 pages. It's beautiful. It's fully edited. It is done. It's complete. So I pick up the phone and I call her editor, Harper One, Gideon Weil, who also happens to be my editor, James Von Prague's editor, Marianne Williamson, Deepak Chopra's editor. And it's like, hey, Gideon, hi, it's Arielle, how are you? And he says, I'm so glad you called. I said, why? He said, I have been feeling so guilty for the last four years. Your sister always wanted to write a prayer book. And I always talked her out of it. And I feel so bad. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, this explains why I didn't know about it. Because she t- asked, told it, Gideon about it. And he said no. So she didn't bother to tell me. And I said, well, Gideon, today's your redemption. Open your inbox. So, of course, he instantly bought the book. And a few weeks ago, it came out. And it's called Your Holiness. And it's the best thing she ever wrote. It was book number 10. But if it hadn't been for James von Prague, we wouldn't know about it. 
It's incredible. I also was laughing in the introduction when you were like, I know my sister and it, she's, if she's not letting it go, she'll never let it go. And so yeah. even still, she can be just as persistent as she was when you guys were little. She's still teaching from the other side. I mean, I get emails and phone calls and posts all day long from people who say to me, oh, you know, I never met your sister, but I'm reading one of her books and I hear her talking to me or she came to me or in a dream or she sent me a sign. So she's busier than ever. Right. And the fact that we now have this book, I mean, I always believed in the other side. That was never an issue for me. But now I actually know that just because she doesn't have a body doesn't mean I don't have a sister. Right. She's still bossing me around. That's so that's so amazing. And I'm sure for those who've lost loved ones, it's really lovely to hear. It also seems like because you've had this relationship with your sister and with almost your own spirituality, you made room to hear those messages. And I'm just curious, how do you stay open to those messages? And I ask this for someone who might have a loved one on the other side and they want to feel closer to them. Well, you know, for a long time, I would think that I was hearing her, but I never really trusted it because sometimes I'd get these really crazy messages like, call Kimberly and tell her to go for it. And I'm thinking, what does that mean? But, you know, she would, it was like repetitive. So like one day I picked up the phone, I called Kimberly, a mutual friend of ours, and I said, this is going to sound so weird. I'm so sorry, but Debbie wants you to know that she says, go for it. Does that make any sense to you? And she said, oh, my God, that's exactly what I needed to know. Goodbye. <laughs> Three months later, Kimberly calls me back and she says, do you remember the day you told me Debbie said to go for it? And I said, yes. And she said, well, I did. And I'm calling to tell you I'm pregnant. And I said, well, Kimberly, you're 52 years old. How is that possible? She said, we, I got a donor egg and my husband's sperm. And when Debbie said, go for it, we went and did IV. And I am now carrying this baby. And I want you to know that was three years ago. Kimberly now at 55 has a beautiful three-year-old baby girl that she brought to full term. That's so beautiful. That's the kind of message you can get. And, and also a reminder because that message didn't make sense to you when you heard it. So it's a reminder that if we hear something that doesn't make sense, we don't need to completely understand it to continue to follow that, that message in order to share it with someone. Right. And there are lots of good mediums out there that can help you to connect to the other side. You know, yeah. I'm very fortunate. I have James Von Prague on speed dial. Most people don't. But, you know, I know many other mediums that are just as capable and talented. And, you know, a lot of us have watched the Long Island medium. We know this stuff happens, you know, but there are lots of non-famous mediums. So just know two things. One, that it's real, but just because you can't hold them doesn't mean they don't exist anymore. And the other thing is, and this is something I learned since Debbie's crossed over, is that if you need help with somebody, you can ask them to help you. You can get love and support from your ancestors on the other side. You know, I believe it. And I mean, I've, I've believed in mediums since I was 16 when I had my first reading. And I think for so long, I never publicly talked about it because it just, you know, it's weird, right? It's different. And, and you think, oh, no, people are going to think I'm crazy. But then you, the stories they share are so specific, the stories you hear from other people, and you know part of it is so healing, that it's it should be an empowering experience. And if you leave disempowered, then you have a horrible medium. 
Right, exactly. Yeah, because they're they're still they're still there. It's they don't have a body. In fact, I was talking to Marianne Williamson about this not too long ago because I, I don't know how we got on the subject, but I said to her, I said, you know, in, in a very strange way, now that Debbie's not here, we're even closer than we were before. And we were pretty close. And she said, oh, that's not strange at all. She said, somebody once asked Yoko Ono after John Lennon died, what's it like for you now that he's gone? And she said, before when he had his body, we were together 90% of the time. And now we're together 100% of the time. That's beautiful. That's so beautiful. Well, let's talk about this amazing book. Look at all the markings <laughs> I have in it already. Um, yes, I understand. Uh, my, my copy... Looks like that. Too. Oh, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> um, I, I wanted to read one of my favorite passages from the book, if that's okay with you, and, and we can talk about it. Yeah. Um, because it really helped me understand prayer in a different way. And the passage is, um, in the midst of life's heartaches, we must find the eyes to see beyond our current situation. The fact remains that we are going to have tough times. People are going to die. We are going to lose love. We are going to struggle. We can pray until we are blue in the face for things to be different. But most of the time we are powerless to stop heartache because it is an inevitable part, inevitable part of life. Creation and destruction, life and death, good times and bad times. If you have a father who is riddled with cancer, there is a 99% chance that he is going to die. Praying for him not to, although you could do it, is a prayer that you can't expect God to answer. But what you can pray for, what you do have the influence over, is for you to be, be the strongest, most centered and loving person possible during those times. You can pray for the courage to love through your fear, to allow love in through other sources. You can pray for enough love in your heart so you can grieve in a healthy way. Yeah. Um, I That passage really touched me and gave me a beautiful perspective when it came to prayer. Cause so much we, I know a lot of times people pray and they feel disappointed, you know, they want things to change. And Debbie here is taking a new approach of, it's not just about things changing, but it's about how we change, how we feel about us having the strength, because it's true. We can be praying, we can be tapping, we can be meditating, but heartache is a part of life. Can you speak a bit about that? Yeah, and part of it is is that we were taught as children to pray as an act of supplication, like, dear God, you know, please get me that blue BMW, dear God, please have that boy like me, or whatever it is. And the fact is, and our friend Greg Braden has talked about this extensively, is that real prayer is a prayer of gratitude. Dear God, I'm so grateful that I have fresh air to breathe and clean water to drink. Dear God, I'm so grateful I have one more day to spend with my ailing father or whatever it is. Because when we're in that state of gratitude, then we can be open to receive love and to receive blessings. And one of the things I wanted to say about the book is because we've been talking about it, that it's a prayer book. But some people might think it's just a book that's filled with prayers. This book does, in fact, have original prayers by Debbie and by Marianne Williamson and Emmett Fox and other people, Rumi, Yogananda. But it's so much more than that. It's a very prescriptive book 
about how prayer saved her life when she was a drug addict, how she would get on her hands and knees and pray every day for the strength and courage to spend one more day in the treatment center. And when she got out, how she could she prayed every day for her gratitude for being sober and to stay sober one more day. So the book will take you through her entire life, the prayers that she used, how you can use prayers to improve and inform every area of your life. And it's just this complete package. So I always tell people, yes, get the book, Your Holiness, read it front cover to back cover at first, but then you can use it as a daily practice to just randomly open to a page and find a message or find a prayer to, to inspire you to do what you need to do for the day in a way that connects you to your highest divine self. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just, it's, I was underlying so much, um, underlining so much of the book. It's, a, it's really an incredible book. One of the things that's, um, that's interesting to me about, about what Debbie talks about is she, there was a, a big chunk of her life when she was trying to use the willpower to get over her drug addiction. And that's where a lot of us go to when we think we wanna make a change. It's like we rely on self-discipline and willpower. And for someone who has an addiction, that's incredibly hard and we often feel let down. And even if it's not a drug addiction, sometimes it can be a food addiction or... We, all, we are all addicts, whether it's a heart addiction or a soft addiction or addiction to Amazon One Click. Yeah. There's nobody that we're with right now that doesn't have multiple addictions of one sort or another. It's just, it's just what's so. It's and, terrible. And then willpower doesn't feel like enough. It's like we feel like we need to connect to something else. And sometimes it's not until we're really desperate do we look up. It's like we always see that scene or we have that experience that it's not until we're on our hands and our knees that we finally look up and yeah. we ask for help outside of ourselves. Can you, I know it's a very kind of tricky thing to talk about, but can you talk about that help outside of ourselves? The difference between feeling like we're going, we're doing something alone and really feeling supported by God and the universe at a greater force. Well, that that is the purpose of the book, Your Holiness. That's why Debbie, I mean, the book starts where she's on the bathroom floor of her fourth treatment center, totally desperate, knowing that if she doesn't give up drugs, she's going to die. At that point in that in the seven days prior to going into that last treatment center, she had taken over 1000 Percodan in a week on top of doing cocaine and other hard drugs. And she knew that she was going to die if she didn't get sober. So she was really begging God for her life and just you know, praying for a miracle, praying for assistance. And as she did that, she felt this sense of calm and peace come over her that she had extended herself, opened herself up to receiving a miracle, the miracle of grace, you know, that she could not do this alone. Because, you know, for any of us, like, I, I love sugar, you know, you put a piece of cheesecake in front of me and, you know, I'll say to myself, I'm just going to have three bites. And before you know it, it's like, oh, my God, I got to have more, you know. And and so it's it's hard. I mean, we cannot we can't be lone rangers. We're not islands unto ourselves. We need other people and we need God, the divine, the higher self, whatever you want to call it. And I think it's those three things. It's it's us, others, and God together. We can be invis invisible, and we don't need to know all the answers. And, of course, we're not meant to have all the answers. Yeah. 
Because when we are struggling with something, we tend to feel really alienated. We feel very alone. And sometimes we, I know I get into the habit where if I'm struggling, I won't be talking about it. You know, and then you, you suddenly feel very alone. And the moment you begin to talk to others and talk to God, when you have a conversation, just the act of not feeling alone is so empowering, even if it just starts with, you know, a, a beautiful prayer. Yeah. And one of the things I love about Debbie's prayers is they're so short. Like one of, I just opened randomly, it says, let me stop the struggle, give up the fight, head down the road to freedom, return to the holy land of peace. You know, I mean, just it's four short lines, but it just, you know, it's very soothing. There's, um, in the whole book is just filled with these things. Um, here's another one: take away my grudges, take away my pain, release me of my hatred. My heart is healed of blame. You know, if that isn't going to shift you out of whatever it is you're obsessing about in the moment, I don't know what will. And I think. That's kind of what we just need to do is how can we distract ourselves? Where can we place our attention? And it's always so easy to put our attention on on the negative emotions, which is mostly what Debbie taught, the dark side, the shadow stuff. Oh, I'm angry, I'm fearful, I'm greedy, I'm whatever. But as Debbie says in the book, when you have your attention on love, your attention is off all the other negative stuff. So rather than being... The way she puts it, you can be tuned into lonelyandmiserable.com or you can change the dial to happysatisfiedandcontent.com. Like you're the only one who can change the channel. And we are like tuners. We're, you know, the thing that's happening in the world right now, Jessica, that's really scary is that we already know everybody's really stressed out. Okay, we're stressed out over you know, family and career and money and what's happening in the world. But what most people don't realize is that the stress of the world, the field that we live in is so amped up right now that we're not only digesting our own personal stress, we're trying to digest the stress of everybody around us in the world that we yeah. live, in, which is making people sick mm -hmm. and they don't know why they're sick. You know, I can't tell you how many friends I've had go in the hospital in the last few weeks, really healthy people. And I think it's because so many of us are highly sensitive people. So we're not only feeling our normal load, <laughs> right? We're feeling all this other stuff. And if you've got anybody in your house that's a news junkie, then it's really amplified. Definitely. And what's beautiful about prayer is that we can find small moments for it, that it doesn't have to be so structured. You know, I like the fact that they're short and that it's something that you can turn to when you need it instead of feeling like, you have to do an hour yoga class, you know, just having a moment. And and to remember that, that you have all the control. You have the power. So you may be in overwhelm. There may be a tsunami of problems headed your way. But if you can just stop for a moment and become aware and just say, okay, what am I choosing? What level am I choosing to vibrate at? Do I want to be at a low love frequency or do I want to be at a high love frequency? You know, and, and fortunately for us, we have lots of tools. I mean, yes, we have tapping, which is amazing. And I, I can't even remember the last day, last time there was a day where I didn't tap, you know, but I have my feelingizations. I can do heart math, heart lock-ins. I can do the Sedona we method. It, we need it all. <laughs> you need the whole spiritual yeah. toolkit, you know, take aromatherapy bath. 
I have certain friends that I can vent with because sometimes dropping a lot of F-bombs is a real stress reducer. <laughs> I'm with you. I won't, it, I won't do it on Facebook, but, you know, they've actually proven that people, people who use rowdy language actually are high intelligence. So sometimes venting is a good thing, too. But then you want to reinforce all the good feelings and just remember, you know, like, What's the most loving thing I could do for myself in this moment? What's the most loving thing I could do for the world right now? And what you may not know, Jess, today is Global Love Day. I didn't know that. Today's Global Love Day. So, you know, if, you're, if you want to put some extra love into the world, today would be yeah. a good day to do it. And I, I really like the idea of asking ourselves those questions when we're having a hard time. I think we think like, okay, well, when I'm really happy, then I'll really sit down and figure out how I can give to others or, you know, what I can learn from the situation. Debbie also does a great job in this book of, of like giving us questions that we can ask ourselves, like, how can I use this pain? How can I learn from this pain to, for a brighter future? Yeah, and what's it trying to teach me? What's it trying to teach me? And those aren't questions that we ask ourselves when things are going well. Those are the questions that really support us when things aren't going our way. This whole idea of, of change through pain just is so unreasonable. And yet, you're right. People don't change when they're feeling good. All they're hoping is that the good feelings don't go away. Yeah. So, it's, you know, the, the truth about life is, is that it's always expansion and contraction. One step forward, two steps back. And, you know, the the value of getting older and maturing is you start to see that, oh, if I'm having a bad day, what does that mean? Well, it means tomorrow is going to be a great day. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? Some, you know, we just had a major breakdown. What does that mean? Oh, the breakthrough is coming. You know, so for me, that's the value. I mean, I posted this picture uh, last week of when I was 22 years old and people were writing, oh my God, you look so good, blah, blah, blah. I wouldn't be 22 again for all the money in the world. I was such an anxious wreck, neurotic, fearful, so scared of failing, so confused about who was I and who was I going to become. It's like there's just so much benefit in, you know, having the experience and knowing that you're a survivor, that you can survive anything. Right. I mean, it's one of the reasons that I named this podcast Adventures in Happiness. It's not that life is always happy, but happiness is an adventure. It's it's work. It's discovery. It's exploration. Um, and it's a choice. It's, it's a, a choice. choice. Literally, unless you're clinically depressed, which I have been, when you're in a clinical depression, you must seek professional help, and there are really good prescription medications that can help you. But if you're not clinically depressed, you know, what I tell people to do is when you're really a mess, when you're really down low, set your timer for three minutes, whether it's your phone or an egg timer, set something for three minutes, and then for three minutes, out loud, I want you to speak the most horrific, nasty, god-awful things to yourself that you can think of. Like, really go down the rabbit hole and beat yourself up. And I promise you, if you do it correctly, you won't be able to do it for three minutes. You will start laughing for two reasons. One, your reasonable mind will kick in and start fighting back, saying, it's not true. I'm not the ugliest woman that ever lived. I'm not the <laughs> stupidest person that ever lived. And the other thing is, is that... Um, it's like letting the steam off a pressure cooker. You know, it's not good to suppress those bad feelings because they leak out anyway 
you know, you may think I'm not going to let somebody know how mad I am, but they know, they feel it. <laughs> We're all energetic beings. So you want to let the steam off. And then once you've let the steam off, then do a whole positive tapping round. Tap back in. You know, I'm loved. I'm lovable. People really like me. Good things are happening. You know, and fill yourself back up. And then you're back at neutral and you can rejoin your life. I love that. And, and Ariel, another big component of the book is humility. And I'd love to get your insights on that. Yeah, you know, she writes so much about the need to be humble. And it's so easy to see that our ego is always getting in the way. In fact, Debbie says the word ego stands for edging God out. Mm, I love that. Yes. Right? Edging God out is what ego means. And then she says fear means forgetting everything is all right. She had all these really cool little, I forget the technical name for them. But yeah, humility is so important because it's so easy to want to take credit for stuff or, or to think we're entitled or deserving, which only leads to disappointment, you know, which is why I think humility and gratitude go hand in hand. Yeah. You know, be grateful for everything that you have. You know, and then don't try to take credit for it. You know, I, I, I often think I'm the luckiest person in the world. My life has turned out so much better than I could have ever anticipated or imagined. Like my imagination isn't big enough to imagine the people I get to play with and the people that I get to know and the stuff I get to do. And I think part of it is, is that I'm just so grateful that it keeps turning out good, that more good keeps coming. So I, I think there's a positive feedback loop in all of that. It's true. And and one of the, um, another thing I marked in, in the book here, and I think it goes with, with humility or feeling like it's our ego or we have to be in control. Debbie writes about resentment. And she said, she's, she wrote, we only hold on to resentment when we are still trying to prove we are right and that other people are wrong. Or when we're still trying to change what happened in the past, or to gain a sense of control over the present situation, or the present circumstances. So I found that so interesting because it's true, you know, feelings of resentment and anger, there's no room for them when you have humility, when you have a sense of surrendering. And, and it's so, I was just talking to a friend of mine this morning about this. She got triggered about, you know, this lawsuit that she was in a few years ago where she really felt victimized and wrong and she'd given too much and it got triggered up but she was willing to call and like let's talk through what good has come through it you know like yes all that happened and and it was painful and then i was able to remind her it's like well if all that bad shit hadn't happened you wouldn't have a b or c you know and so we just need our friends to remind us that yeah we are going to get triggered, you know, that's just how it is. It's like, especially when you meet your soulmate and you get married, they actually come with the owner's manual on how to piss you off. <laughs> <laughs> they know where all the buttons are. So, and we live like something's wrong, like maybe I chose the wrong person. But the truth is that's the purpose of taking sacred vows with somebody so that all your unhealed wounds can come up to be healed. Because as I'm sure you've learned in the last two years since you got married, there's no greater space for healing than to be with somebody who loves you and every day looks at you like you're the hottest thing since sliced bread. And all your unhealed places are suddenly getting healed, not because you did the next hottest workshop, but because you opened yourself up to be seen and loved. 
I love that. And um, Ariel, I'm definitely having you back. I mentioned it before we recorded, but I mean, you're a brilliant author and love coach, and I'd love to have you back and just kind of dive in to that even more. Um, this book is really incredible. I want to mention it again, Your Holiness by Debbie Ford. Um, and Ariel, I like to end the podcast, the show with two questions that I ask everyone. So what I'd like to do is to get your answer and what you think your sister's answer would be. Okay. All right. Let's see. Like maybe, and if nothing comes to you when it comes, when it's Debbie's turn, no pressure. Um, but the first question is what is some, and it ties in so well with what we're talking about. What's something that in the moment when it happened, it seemed really horrible and it ended up becoming a big blessing. Well, that's so easy for me. Uh, I got fired from a job in 1984 and I never saw it coming. And at the moment, it was just like I, my ego was crushed and, and I was just so blindsided and miserable. And because that happened, I ended up moving from Miami to L.A. And from the moment I stepped foot in L.A. on September 12th, 1984, my life just turned into something amazing and wonderful. And for Debbie, I would say she would say you know, having been a drug addict and having that moment on the bathroom floor, which was easily the lowest point of her life, put her on track for her purpose because, you know, she wasn't a personal growth speaker, teacher, writer back in those days. She was simply a woman trying to heal herself enough that she would never become an addict again. And so she went back to college and she got a degree in transpersonal psychology. And, and then she started to see that, you know, what was available to her as a recovering addict wasn't quite enough. And what would it take to fully heal herself? So I think that would be her answer. Absolutely. And I think it's a reminder for all of us that sometimes these moments in our lives can bring the biggest blessings. And we can also, especially in Debbie's circumstances and yours too, but how we can use them, how we can make them um, work for us instead of against us. I love that. Um, Ariel, another question. This one's a silly one. But uh, if you could be any animal, what would you be and why? I would totally oh, be a dolphin. Oh, you did not hesitate on that one. No, no, I, I've always wanted to be a dolphin, and I love dolphins. And, and fortunately, we live across the street from the ocean, so I can go out on my deck and sometimes see them. Uh, but yeah, what would you be? I would be a gorilla. <laughs> or like a chimpanzee. I just like... They have... we, wouldn't know, we wouldn't know each other because... Yeah, we live in different worlds. But so I want to know why a dolphin. You obviously like them, you like looking at them, but what about the characteristics of a dolphin that really resonate with you? You know, they're just so... I think they're more intelligent than humans. And they're very playful. And they spend their days focused on doing two things, eating and having sex. Doesn't that sound like fun? <laughs> and, um, you know, they live, they live in community. They're all about supporting each other. And they're very peaceful. They're, they don't have any natural predators, nor do they prey on others. But they will protect you if there's a shark coming after you and they see it. So um, I just so resonate with dolphins. And so does Debbie. In fact... Um, right after she got out of that last treatment center, I took her down to Key West to a place called the Dolphin Research Center to take her swimming with dolphins. And she was in the water with a dolphin named Fonzie. It was her and one other girl, but just the two of them were in this 
this area. And the dolphin was all over Debbie, totally ignoring this other girl, like didn't even look at her, didn't go near her. And the girl got out of the water and she was heartbroken. She was on her honeymoon and she said, she said, why does that dolphin like your sister so much better than me? And I said, because she needs the dolphin's love more than you do. You're on your honeymoon. She just got out of drug treatment center. So Debbie fell in love with dolphins that day, a dolphin named Fonzie. That's beautiful. Um, and now, because we have a, a few more minutes, I want to ask you, because I'm I'm curious. Um, Debbie had always been someone who was so self-aware, and she was really into the spiritual work. And then she's faced with her own mortality. And I'm sure that so many emotions came up through through that process. What do you think that she learned about life through the experience of, of death, through that time when she knew that that life was going to end shorter than she uh, and sooner than she expected. You know, it's really interesting because I never saw her go through a phase where she uh, felt sorry for herself or where she had any self pity or she was saying, why me? It gave her a lot of strength and courage. And she had a very strong will to live, and she lived two and a half years longer than the doctors predicted she would. Uh, and she tried everything. Wayne Dyer took her to see John of God. She did all kinds of experimental treatments because once she was diagnosed, she had a very, very rare form of cancer. Um, we knew there was no treatment available, but she was willing to try everything and anything. And at the same time, she really felt like she had accomplished her life's work and her mission. Um, so she emotionally was okay with it. Now, when she was in pain, it was kind of difficult. That was the hardest part because she so believed that she was going to get a miracle that she resisted taking the heavy pain meds, the opioids, because she didn't want to become an addict again. And she would always say to me, well, when my miracle comes, I don't want to have to go back to drug treatment. So she was never out in front of the pain the way the doctors told her to get out in front of the pain. So that was the more difficult aspect of it. But she, um, she wrote a whole book about it called Courage. I mean, she really found strength and bravery and courage through the illness and really modeled how to make the best of a really horrible situation because she didn't want to quit teaching, but she had so little energy. So she would, she would go out and teach. She'd go and do a weekend shadow process. And then she'd get in bed for six weeks until she had enough energy, just enough energy to do one more webinar or one more talk. And then she'd get back in bed and, you know, the doctors thought she was crazy, but she was a very strong willed and she did it all her way. Yeah. The thing I do want to mention is that um, if anybody's interested in getting the book, they can just go to her website, DebbieFord.com, DebbieFord.com, and there's incredible bonuses, including uh, audios of various um, meditations that she recorded before she died. And also there's a video of me interviewing Debbie about the book through James Von Prague. So there's all kinds of goodies at DebbieFord.com. That's so cool. I love that. And um, if it's okay with you, I'd love to end with a prayer oh, from the book. Go for it. That'd be so, awesome. So um, this one's a bit of a, a longer one, but it's one of my favorites. Um, it's called An Appreciative Heart. And she writes, Dear God, thank you for giving me my body, my hands, my feet, and my heart. Thank you for all the people who are in my life and thank you for giving me the ability to love, care for, and contribute to others. 
Thank you for allowing me to grow and evolve, to shed the old and make room for the new. Thank you for my ability to see new opportunities and explore new paths. Thank you for giving me the ability to think for myself and more importantly, to make wise choices. Today, I give thanks for my right to choose new perspectives, new beliefs, new interpretations, new behaviors, new habits, and a new attitude. All God's gifts to me, all free, all accessible at any moment. Thank you, God, for waking me up to how truly blessed I am. May the love that fills my heart right now go out and enter into the hearts of all the people who are seeking it and the ones I know and the ones I don't know. May your will be done in all things. And so it is, and it is so, amen. Amen. Ariel, thank you so much for being with us. It was such a pleasure. Thank you, thank you. It's so good to be with you.